You know, I shared with you about today's message some time ago. I haven't had a chance to share this, and it's been on my heart. Uh, we did a series in the book of Revelation, and in that series of the book of Revelation, there is a passage of Scripture there that says that God will give a blessing. He'll give a blessing to those who will read the Scriptures of the book of Revelation. You know, it's kind of intimidating at first, but once you get into the book of Revelation, it begins to unfold and shed new light, and so I was excited about doing this book of Revelation series, and we have completed it. And one of the things that God did for me, I'm going to share with you today, the blessing that He gave unto me. It was a Tuesday morning, and the Lord began to deal with me concerning the subject matter that matters to me this morning, and I know it will matter to you as well. It's a subject this morning that we need to hit head on, and that is the subject of worry and anxiety not only in the things of this world, but also in the things of the future. In our future and the coming of the Lord that is soon to come upon us. I'm going to close the service today with uh, the thought about what does the Christian do concerning the mark of the beast. What does Christians do concerning whether taking or not taking the mark of the beast? And I think you're going to be excited and happy to hear the answer that I come from God's word as well as my own heart and the assemblies of God. The scriptures today is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. I think there's a slide for that, if you could find that. Yes. It says, uh, do, so do not fear, for I am with you. Say that with me. I'm not going to fear. Amen. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to fear the future. Amen. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Somebody shout, praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Amen, praise God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence in this place today. Lord, thank you for the selection of our worship today, the songs. It was wonderful to be ushered into your very presence. Lord, let your people not worry and become anxious. Let us draw near to you with, a, with the truth of your word, that you will be with us, you will uphold us. And Lord, in these last days, cover our hearts and our minds and our actions, everything which would come against you. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. God's people said amen and amen. Praise God. feels good to be up here. been a while. Last time the ambulance driver came, he said, we have to quit meeting like this, preacher. We got it all figured out, I think. I'm sorry, hon. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that, may, that may sound good, but it doesn't sound good to me. You know the slide that was up there about worry and anxiety? I will tell you that worry and anxiety are real issues that each and every one of us have to deal with. You know, I know that it's easier said than done, that as a Christian, do not worry about anything. The Scriptures reveals to us how that we are not to worry about what we are to eat, what we're to wear. It says, if the Lord will take care of the birds of the air, He'll take care of His children. And I have found that to be true. I have found that God is an on-time God. He's never late. Sometimes He's close, but He's never late. He always takes good care of us. You know, we do not like to admit it, but we as Christians... We worry and are anxious as far as our own living goes. 
we go through this message today that we deal with anxiety and worry, may I encourage you as a Christian concerning major areas of your worry to not worry. Turn to somebody and say, quit worrying. Doesn't do you any good. You see, worry is something that is real. You know, I believe that it is a tool of the enemy to bring discouragement to us. Because if the enemy can get us worrying about things and, and uh, looking at problems, then uh, we lose our focus in faith and we lose our focus in the day tomorrow and the next day in the future. Worry leads to stress. And you know that stress is not good because it leads to dysfunctional thinking and then dysfunctional thinking leads to dysfunctional living. You ever know anybody that's a dysfunctional living person? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> you see, the cares of this life work upon us. You know, it's, do I have a job? Will I have a job? Will I be able to take care of my family? The cares of life can become very overwhelming to us. It will raise its ugly head whenever you least expect it to attack with anxiety and, and depression and things that will come upon us. And it could just be the cares of life. You know, the last time you go to the grocery store and it was a $100 bill that you spent, now you're at $130 and tomorrow it'll probably be $150. i got news for you to quit worrying about it. And when you leave Walmart, go to the dollar store and you'll feel a whole lot better. You know, it's said that worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. You just, just go through the motions, amen. You know, in the last days, it can cause a lot of concern and a lot of worry. The future to the non-Christian can be very troublesome, very troublesome. But to us as born-again believers, we have the answer in the back of the book. You know, in the cares of life, there was a, a, a burglar that uh, happened to go into a house and for the last 10 years, why the wife would wake up her husband and say, you know, I think there's somebody broke into our house and he'd go look and there'd be nobody there. But that one morning there was a burglar in the house. He goes down and he said, I need you to come up. I want to introduce you to my wife. She's been looking at you for 10 years. <laughs> we don't look for trouble, but trouble looks for us on many occasions. Amen. And so in the last days, it can cause a lot of concern and a lot of worry to us. Yet the child of God in the future should not cause us one iota of worry, but it often does. It is the hope and confidence that we have in God's Word. It's the hope and confidence that we have in the experience of walking with God day after day after day, getting close to the Lord, coming into His presence, getting just a little bit closer, and as we get closer to Him, then our confidence level begins to rise exponentially, and we are knowing that God is who He says He is, and He will do what He says He will do. Somebody give the Lord a praise. You see, our worry about our own future... Our children, I love the story of Job of old, how that he would sacrifice just in case one of his children came short of the glory of God. He would go out and he would take one of the animals and he would sacrifice it on a daily basis just in case that one of his children did not follow the precepts of God. Our extended family, our friends and our friendships, our vocations, will I have a job? Will I be able to take care of the bills? Will I be able to take care of my family, especially in light of what is going to happen as the coming of the Lord draws closer and closer and closer. There's a difference between worry and concern. Worry is something that is, is really stressful to us, but concern is something that we have to deal with every day. When Sister Delaney went to Africa on a missions trip, I will tell you that Sister Blacker and I were not worried, but I can tell you that we were highly concerned. 
Come on, church. When our children take an over-the-road trip and they, they go from Springfield to Colorado or from Florida or wherever they go, there's not worry, but there is concern. And there's a, that's good. Concern is healthy. To be concerned about your future. To be concerned about your present. But oh, don't let it move over into worry because worry will stress you out. You know, I, I, I never would dream in a million years that our government would be so intrusive in our lives as it is. Did you see on the news here lately how that the folks in Canada are revolting and they are doing peaceful demonstrations there, bringing the semi-trucks in? It was on the news this morning. There are thousands upon thousands and thousands upon thousands that are over the interstate. And they're saying, you know what? No more. Enough is enough. Oh, your enthusiasm is overwhelming. Your enthusiasm is overwhelming, you know. You know, I tell you, there's concern about, about the ep epidemic that is taking place. Uh, but I will tell you this, uh, our God is stronger than any epidemic. Uh, our God is stronger, greater is He that's within you than he that is in this world. Uh, God is going to bring us through, amen. And you know what? Hurry up and give us the, that new variant so that we can build up immunity. That may be God's way of saying, you know what? I'll give everybody that, that new variant and they'll get over it. They'll be fine for the summertime and we'll just put this behind us. Oh, come on, somebody agree with the pastor this morning. I'm ready for it to be over with, amen. Uh, but still, we are concerned, amen. We are concerned, never in a thousand years would I ever dream that our government would be so intrusive into our lives. And I'll tell you this, I've been asked, do you think that it's uh, the mark of the beast? No, it's not the mark of the beast. Turn to somebody and say, it's not the mark of the beast. But I do think that it's a prelude to what's getting ready to come down the pike. I do believe that it is a prelude of what is getting ready to come down the line as the closer the Lord comes for His coming and for His church. Later in the message, I will deal with the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast in relationship to you and I as Christians. And usually, you know, I never, I never preach on the Antichrist or the evil trinity, but I will tell you this, I'm not looking for the Antichrist, I'm looking for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But in the book of Revelation, I received the blessing to be able to answer this question without any contradiction in my own life, in my own thinking, in my own studies, from thus saith the word of the Lord. I'm going to share that with you today, amen. It could be a prelude. Because there is a lack of trust and confidence in our government. The world, it seems, is turning on one another. Families are turning on uh, family members. And brothers are turning on brothers. And fathers are turning on daughters and sons. You know, don't, don't shout me down when I'm preaching okay this morning. It's not going to get any better the closer we come. There's not going to be a utopia, in my opinion. I believe that the Bible says that as the coming of the Lord, so it will be like the birth pains of a woman. The closer you come to the birth, the more the pains become intense. And I'll tell you, we're in for some pain, probably. But God's going to take care of His church. I call this worry the what-ifs of life. What if? What if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? Well, you know what? That's just what if. If is expressing a condition. If is only expressing a condition. Well, I got news for us this morning. Our Lord is in charge of all the what ifs of life. All we got to do is just kind of flow with Him. Amen. You know, there's a song out that we used to sing some time back. It's called Jesus is Coming Soon. And listen, this is an old song. And, and if I can read it here, I'll try to read it. It says, Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. 
Freedom we all hold dear now is at stake. That was penned many years ago. Think about this. Humbling our hearts to God serves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod. Christians awake. Jesus is coming soon. Morning or noon, night or noon. Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound. All the dead in Christ shall rise. Triumphantly to meet Him in the skies. Going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I'm heavenward bound. Just count me gone. Count me gone. Am I doing all right this morning? Praise God. Well, I need to hear that because I didn't want to be slurring my speech. You see, worry is a sin, I, I, or it can be a sin. Let's put it that way. I think that, and, and where I base that on is this. If, in fact, that you worry and you do not trust God's Word, then it becomes where you are so bound up in the flesh and you're so bound up in what if that you don't give God the opportunity and the chance to see His way to touch you in your circumstance. Failure to trust God, in essence, is trusting in your own self or your flesh and not God. And God says for us not to worry about ourselves, not to worry about the relationship to the end of this world and what we wear, what we eat, where we go. Just simply trust in the Lord. You see, worry eats at us physically. The worry business is booming in our world today. There's all kinds of drugs that you can have. But there's all kinds of antidepressants. They give you, an antidep- give you a, a medicine to bring you down. Then they give you a medicine to take you up. They give you a medicine to hold you steady. They, they, you know, and there's nothing wrong with medicine. I, I will tell you that there's nothing wrong with medicine. Uh, God, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why God had Luke as a, as a disciple. Physician. He was a physician. But I can tell you this. That the... Worry business is really booming, and the sleep aids and the anxiety drugs and, the, and used to forget our troubles just for a moment in time. But I've got a better pill that's, that is either any pill that's on the market, and that's called the gospel. The gospel. Ulcers develop because of worry. Worry can be a killer. Worry makes one unproductive. You know, if all you do is worry about what's going to happen, then you become very unproductive. I believe that as you get up of a morning time and you say, God, what do you got for me today? What is the agenda today for my life? And it may just be accomplishing one thing. It may be praying for a family member. It may be sitting down and writing a little encouraging note. It may just be one thing that God would want you to do that can impact a life and make a difference instead of getting up with your hands like this and going, oh, Lord, it's morning. We need to just reverse that and say, oh, praise God, it's morning, amen. I'm going to make a difference for you, Lord. The mind lingers and targets problems. It produces worry and it magnifies the problem, amen. It magnifies the problem. Oh, thank you, Don. You're doing a great job this morning staying with me, amen. It magnifies the problem. And when it magnifies the problem, it draws you away from the answer. It draws you away from the possibility. And you know what? We don't have to wait on God to give us the answer all the time. Sometimes we have the answer within us. Sometimes God gives us the answer on the inside, and we just need to be about what God is asking us to do to quit that worry. You know, whenever I was in in college, and it come time for a test, it was always a whole lot more relaxed when I knew the answers 
to the test that was probably going to be given because I studied. Anybody ever, you know, when I was in high school, don't, no, no, I was very, I was magnifying a problem and not a solution. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? When you got, when you, when you, you know, when you lay down at night and you know that your bills are, are pretty much paid, amen, and you still got a couple dollars in the bank, you're in pretty good shape. It just makes life a little bit easier, amen, instead of waiting to the last minute and, and letting things get control, control out of control and, and uh, magnifying the problem instead of the solution. I love those two fellows that went in to the land of Canaan, promised land. There was 12 of them went in and only two of them had a positive report. They were the minority report, but yet they were the positive report. And Moses and Aaron agreed with them. They said, 10 of them said, we can't do it. There's no way. We, we're like grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb said, oh, we are more than willing and able to be able to possess the land. What God has given you, what God has promised you, it's about time that you step up and acquire it and receive it. Come on, church. And so there's two scriptures. There's... Numbers chapter 23, because we're now talking about the antidote to worry. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he not speak and then does he not act? Oh, yes, he does. Does he promise and then not fulfill? Absolutely not. Everything in God's word, you can take it to the spiritual bank. It will come to pass. I love this passage of scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord, not in the government, not in your employer, not in a rich uncle. Oh, wouldn't you love to have a rich uncle? Let me rephrase that. Wouldn't you like to have a rich uncle that is very compassionate and generous to his nephew and niece? There's not many of them out there. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall, He shall direct your path. He will send you to the right people. He will give you the answer. He'll give you wisdom beyond your abilities. He will come on the scene and He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Our God says, trust in me and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me and I shall, I shall, I shall direct your path. The antidote to worry and anxiety is believing God's Word. Now let's get into the question that prompted this message, and that is, what will the Christian do in relationship to the mark of the beast? Ooh, I didn't know he'd get that quite. Has anybody ever wondered about this? Has anybody ever thought about this? You know, a lot of times we just want to push it aside because it's, not unple it's unpleasant. We don't want to think about it. I can tell you that as far as I am concerned in my theology... And I've been doing this for a long time. I've been to college. Got some graduate work behind me. I have found that I am in complete agreement with the fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God. In the fact that everything that they believe and I believe on this is pre. Pre. That's before. Say that with me. Pre. Pre-tribulation. I will tell you that my God is not going to put us through three and a half and then, and then another three and a half years 
of tribulation. It's kind of like me going to Sister Susan back when I married her and asked her to marry me. And I'm going to say, now, honey, listen, I'm going to put you through three and a half years of great tribulation, and then I'm going to marry you. See you later, Buster Brown. That's not my God. That's not the Lord that I serve. He's not going to put us through a time of litmus test. He's not going to put us through great tribulation of man for the first three and a half years. And He's not going to put us into the great tribulation or the last three and a half years of the tribulation of God upon this earth. Because He says, unless the elect were removed, they would not be able to stand. So let's go into this. Let's, let's jump into this here this morning. Lord, help me. We are promised a blessing if we will read the book of Revelation. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting for my revelation. And, and I was waiting for my blessing and everything. And we got to the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20, 21, and 22, the last five or six chapters of the book, when I got my blessing. Because the scriptures jumped out at me. Have you ever had the scriptures just jump out at you? The scriptures just jumped out at me. And it was just like that the clouds rolled away. And the answer was so, so right there on the pages. And it came to me. And then, not only that, but I got tutored by the Holy Spirit to give me the answers to what was coming at me and to explain what was coming at me. And then said, now share that with Northside Assembly. Not everybody agrees with what I'm getting ready to share with you. But that's okay. If they want to go through tribulation, they're more than welcome to go through tribulation. I'm just not going to do it. According to the scriptures, amen? Let me just say it as simply as I can. Will the Christian have to deal with the mark of the beast before the rapture of the church? No! And the reason why is because we ain't going to be here. Excuse my uh, Ozarkian language. We are not going to be here. I'm telling you, when the rapture of the church comes, count me gone. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you better be gone too. Amen. You better be out of here. Amen. You better rise to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. Oh, praise God. The answer is so simple. We will not be here, and therefore we don't have to worry about the Antichrist. Oh, you're going you're to leave here happy today. You're going to leave here, you know, walk outside and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. You're coming for me. Amen. I'm not going to have to face that trinity of evil. You see, after the book of Revelation chapter 4, whenever the Spirit of the Lord said to John, the revelator, come up hither and let me show you things that must shortly come to pass. I found after the book of Revelation chapter 4, which we believe to be the rapture of the church, after Revelation chapter 4, the church is not mentioned again until the new heavens and the new earth. And even in that aspect, it's not the church that is mentioned, it's Christ being the tabernacle in the new heavens and the new earth. We are the church this morning. It's not the blocks. It's not the, uh, the carpet, amen. It's you and I, amen. We make up the body of Christ. We make up the church as if it is a universal church, amen. And therefore, we say hallelujah that is universal all over the world. The Antichrist will be revealed after the rapture of the church. I want you to think about these. They're very simple points. But if you write them down, if you ponder them and think about it, then I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you to actually go into the Word of God and 
research these passages of scriptures and see what you come up with. I think you will be amazed. You fellas got that video ready to go? Don, you got the video ready to go? You know, I shared with you about today's message some time ago. I haven't had a chance to share this. And it's been on my heart. Uh, We did a series in the book of Revelation. And in that series of the book of Revelation, there is a passage of Scripture there that says that God will give a blessing. He'll give a blessing to those who will read the Scriptures of the book of Revelation. You know, it's kind of intimidating at first, but once you get into the book of Revelation, it begins to unfold and shed new light. And so I was excited about doing this book of Revelation series, and we have completed it. And one of the things that God did for me, I'm going to share with you today, the blessing that He gave unto me. It was a Tuesday morning, and the Lord began to deal with me concerning the subject matter that matters to me this morning, and I know it will matter to you as well. It's a subject this morning that we need to hit head on, and that is the subject of worry and anxiety, not only in the things of this world, but also in the things of the future, in our future and the coming of the Lord that is soon to come upon us. I'm going to close this service today with Uh, the thought about what does the Christian do concerning the mark of the beast? What does Christians do concerning whether taking or not taking the mark of the beast? And I think you're going to be excited and happy to hear the answer that I come from God's Word as well as my own heart and the assemblies of God. The Scriptures today is found in the book of Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. I think there's a slide for that if you could find that. Yes. It says, uh, do, so do not fear, for I am with you. Say that with me. I'm not going to fear. Amen. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to fear the future. Amen. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Somebody shout, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. For your presence in this place today. Lord, thank you for the selection of our worship today, the songs. It was wonderful to be ushered into your very presence. Lord, let your people not worry and become anxious. Let us draw near to you with with the truth of your word that you will be with us. You will uphold us. And Lord, in these last days, cover our hearts and our minds and our actions, everything which would come against you. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. God's people said amen and amen. Praise God. feels good to be up here. It's been a while. Last time the ambulance driver came, he said, we have to quit meeting like this, preacher. (laughs) We got it all figured out, I think. I'm sorry, hon. There you go, yeah. (laughs) Uh, well, that, that, may, that may sound good, but it doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> you know the slide that was up there about worry and anxiety? I will tell you that worry and anxiety are real issues that each and every one of us have to deal with. You know, I know that it's easier said than done that as a Christian, do not worry about anything. The Scriptures reveals to us how that we are not to worry about what we are to eat, what we're to wear. It says, if the Lord will take care of the birds of the air, He'll take care of His children. And I have found that to be true. I have found that God is an on-time God. He's never late. Sometimes He's close, but He's never late. 
He always takes good care of us. You know, we do not like to admit it, but we as Christians, we worry and are anxious as far as our own living goes. We go through this message today that we deal with anxiety and worry. May I encourage you as a Christian concerning major areas of your worry to not worry. Turn to somebody and say, quit worrying. Doesn't do you any good. You see, worry is something that is real. You know, I believe that it is a tool of the enemy to bring discouragement to us. Because if the enemy can get us worrying about things and, and uh, looking at problems, then uh, we lose our focus in faith and we lose our focus in the day tomorrow and the next day in the future. Worry leads to stress. And you know that stress is not good because it leads to dysfunctional thinking and then dysfunctional thinking leads to dysfunctional living. You ever know anybody that's a dysfunctional living person? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> you see, the cares of this life work upon us. You know, it's, do I have a job? Will I have a job? Will I be able to take care of my family? The cares of life can become very overwhelming to us. It will raise its ugly head whenever you least expect it to attack with anxiety and, and depression and things that will come upon us. And it could just be the cares of life. You know, the last time you go to the grocery store and it was a $100 bill that you spent, now you're at $130 and tomorrow will probably be $150. i got news for you to quit worrying about it. And when you leave Walmart, go to the dollar store and you'll feel a whole lot better. You know, it's said that worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. You just, just go through the motions, amen. You know, in the last days, it can cause a lot of concern and a lot of worry. The future to the non-Christian can be very troublesome, very troublesome. But to us as born-again believers, we have the answer in the back of the book. You know, in the cares of life, there was a, a, a burglar that uh, happened to go into a house. And for the last 10 years, why the wife would wake up her husband and say, you know, I think there's somebody broke into our house. And he'd go look and there'd be nobody there. But that one morning, there was a burglar in the house. He goes down and he said, I need you to come up. I want to introduce you to my wife. She's been looking at you for 10 years. <laughs> we don't look for trouble, but trouble looks for us on many occasions, amen? And so in the last days, it can cause a lot of concern and a lot of worry to us. Yet the child of God in the future should not cause us one iota of worry, but it often does. It is the hope and confidence that we have in God's Word. It's the hope and confidence that we have in the experience of walking with God day after day after day, getting close to the Lord, coming into His presence, getting just a little bit closer. And as we get closer to Him, then our confidence level begins to rise exponentially. And we are knowing that God is who He says He is, and He will do what He says He will do. Somebody give the Lord a praise. You see, our worry about our own future... Our children, I love the story of Job of old, how that he would sacrifice just in case one of his children came short of the glory of God. He would go out and he would take one of the animals and he would sacrifice it on a daily basis just in case that one of his children did not follow the precepts of God. Our extended family, our friends and our friendships, our vocations, will I have a job? Will I be able to take care of the bills? Will I be able to take care of my family, especially in light of what is going to happen as the coming of the Lord draws closer and closer and closer. There's a difference between worry and concern. Worry is something that 
is, is really stressful to us, but concern is something that we have to deal with every day. When Sister Delaney went to Africa on a missions trip, I will tell you that Sister Blackard and I were not worried, but I can tell you that we were highly concerned. Come on, church. When our children take an over-the-road trip and they, they go from Springfield to Colorado or from Florida or wherever they go, there's not worry, but there is concern. And there's a, that's good. Concern is healthy. To be concerned about your future. To be concerned about your present. But oh, don't let it move over into worry because worry will stress you out. You know, I, I, I never would dream in a million years that our government would be so intrusive in our lives as it is. Did you see on the news here lately how that the folks in Canada are revolting and they are doing peaceful demonstrations there, bringing the semi-trucks in? It was on the news this morning. There are thousands upon thousands and thousands upon thousands that are over the interstate uh, and they're saying, you know what, no more, enough is enough. Oh, your enthusiasm is overwhelming. Your enthusiasm is overwhelming, you know. You know, I tell you, there's concern about, about the ep epidemic that is taking place. Uh, but I will tell you this, uh, our God is stronger than any epidemic. Uh, our God is stronger, greater is He that's within you than he that is in this world. Uh, God is going to bring us through, amen. And you know what? Hurry up and give us the, that new variant so that we can build up immunity. That may be God's way of saying, you know what, I'll give everybody that, that new variant and they'll get over it and they'll be fine for the summertime and we'll just put this behind us. Oh, come on, somebody agree with the pastor this morning. I'm ready for it to be over with, amen. Uh, but still, we are concerned, amen. We are concerned. Never in a thousand years would I ever dream that our government would be so intrusive into our lives. And I'll tell you this, I've been asked, do you think that it's uh, the mark of the beast? No, it's not the mark of the beast. Turn to somebody and say, it's not the mark of the beast. But I do think that it's a prelude to what's getting ready to come down the pike. I do believe that it is a prelude of what is getting ready to come down the line as the closer the Lord comes for His coming and for His church. Later in the message, I will deal with the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast in relationship to you and I as Christians. And usually, you know, I never, I never preach on the Antichrist or the evil trinity, but I will tell you this, I'm not looking for the Antichrist, I'm looking for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But in the book of Revelation, I received the blessing to be able to answer this question without any contradiction in my own life, in my own thinking, in my own studies, from thus saith the word of the Lord. And I'm going to share that with you today, amen. It could be a prelude. Because there is a lack of trust and confidence in our government. The world, it seems, is turning on one another. Families are turning on uh, family members. And brothers are turning on brothers. And fathers are turning on daughters and sons. You know, don't, don't shout me down when I'm preaching okay this morning. It's not going to get any better the closer we come. There's not going to be a utopia, in my opinion. I believe that the Bible says that as the coming of the Lord, so it will be like the birth pains of a woman. The closer you come to the birth, the more the pains become intense. And I'll tell you, we're in for some pain, probably. But God's going to take care of His church. I call this worry the what-ifs of life. What if, what if this, what if that? What if this, what if that? Well, you know what? That's just what if. If is expressing a condition. If is only expressing a condition. Well, I got news for us this morning. Our Lord is in charge of all the what ifs of life. All we got to do is just kind of flow with Him. Amen. 
You know, there's a song out that we used to sing some time back. It's called Jesus is Coming Soon. And listen, this is an old song, and, and if I can read it here, I'll try to read it. It says, Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear now is at stake. That was penned many years ago. Think about this. Humbling our hearts to God serves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod. Christians awake. Jesus is coming soon. Morning or noon, night or noon. Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound. All of the dead in Christ shall rise. Triumphantly to meet Him in the skies. Going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I'm heavenward bound. Just count me gone. Count me gone. Am I doing all right this morning? Praise God. Well, I need to hear that because I didn't want to be slurring my speech. You see, worry is a sin, I, I, or it can be a sin. Let's put it that way. I think that, and, and where I base that on is this. If, in fact, that you worry and you do not trust God's word, then it becomes where you are so bound up in the flesh and you're so bound up in what if that you don't give God the opportunity and the chance to see his way to touch you in your circumstance. Failure to trust God, in essence, is trusting in your own self or your flesh and not God. And God says for us not to worry about ourselves, not to worry about the relationship to the end of this world and what we wear, what we eat, where we go, just simply trust in the Lord. You see, worry eats at us physically. The worry business is booming in our world today. There's all kinds of drugs that you can have. But there's all kinds of antidepressants. They give you, an antidep uh, give you a, a medicine to bring you down. Then they give you a medicine to take you up. They give you a medicine to hold you steady. They, they, you know, and there's nothing wrong with medicine. I, I will tell you that there's nothing wrong with medicine. Uh, God, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why God had Luke as a, as a disciple. Physician. He was a physician. But I can tell you this. That the... Worry business is really booming, and the sleep aids and the anxiety drugs and, the, and used to forget our troubles just for a moment in time. But I've got a better pill that's, that is either any pill that's on the market, and that's called the gospel. The gospel. Ulcers develop because of worry. Worry can be a killer. Worry makes one unproductive. You know, if all you do is worry about what's going to happen, then you become very unproductive. I believe that as you get up of a morning time and you say, God, what do you got for me today? What is the agenda today for my life? And it may just be accomplishing one thing. It may be praying for a family member. It may be sitting down and writing a little encouraging note. It may just be one thing that God would want you to do that can impact a life and make a difference instead of getting up with your hands like this and going, oh, Lord, it's morning. We need to just reverse that and say, oh, praise God, it's morning, amen. I'm going to make a difference for you, Lord. The mind lingers and targets problems. It produces worry and it magnifies the problem, amen. It magnifies the problem. Oh, thank you, Don. You're doing a great job this morning staying with me, amen. It magnifies the problem. And when it magnifies the problem, it draws you away from the answer. It draws you away from the possibility. And you know what? We don't have to wait on God to give us the answer all the time. Sometimes we have the answer within us. 
Sometimes God gives us the answer on the inside, and we just need to be about what God is asking us to do to quit that worry. You know, whenever I was in, in college, and it come time for a test, it was always a whole lot more relaxable when I knew the answers to the test that was probably going to be given, because I studied. Anybody ever, you know, when I was in high school, don't, oh, no, I was very, I was magnifying a problem and not a solution. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? When you got, when you, when you, you know, when you lay down at night and you know that your bills are, are pretty much paid, amen, and you still got a couple dollars in the bank, you're in pretty good shape. It just makes life a little bit easier, amen, instead of waiting to the last minute and, and letting things get control, control out of control and, and uh, magnifying the problem instead of the solution. I love those two fellows that went in to the land of Canaan, promised land. There was 12 of them went in, and only two of them had a positive report. They were the minority report, but yet they were the positive report. And Moses and Aaron agreed with them. They said, 10 of them said, we can't do it. There's no way. We're like grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb said, oh, we are more than willing and able to be able to possess the land. What God has given you, what God has promised you, it's about time that you step up and acquire it and receive it. Come on, church. So there's two scriptures. There's Numbers chapter 23 because we're now talking about the antidote to worry. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he not speak and then does he not act? Oh, yes, he does. Does he promise and then not fulfill? Absolutely not. Everything in God's word, you can take it to the spiritual bank. It will come to pass. I love this passage of scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord, not in the government, not in your employer, not in a rich uncle. Oh, wouldn't you love to have a rich uncle? Let me rephrase that. Wouldn't you like to have a rich uncle that is very compassionate and generous to his nephew and niece? There's not many of them out there. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall, he shall direct your path. He will send you to the right people. He will give you the answer. He'll give you wisdom beyond your abilities. He will come on the scene and he will make a way where there seems to be no way. Our God says, trust in me and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me and I shall, I shall, I shall direct your path. The antidote to worry and anxiety is believing God's word. Now let's get into the question that prompted this message, and that is, what will the Christian do in relationship to the mark of the beast? Ooh, I didn't know he'd get that quite. Has anybody ever wondered about this? Has anybody ever thought about this? You know, a lot of times we just want to push it aside because it's, not unple- it's unpleasant. We don't want to think about it. I can tell you that as far as I am concerned in my theology... And I've been doing this for a long time. I've been to college. Got some graduate work behind me. I have found that I am in complete agreement with the fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. In the fact that everything that they believe and I believe on this is pre. Pre, that's before. Say that with me, pre. 
pre-tribulation. I will tell you that my God is not going to put us through three and a half and then, and then another three and a half years of tribulation. It's kind of like me going to Sister Susan back when I married her and asked her to marry me. And I'm going to say, now, honey, listen, I'm going to put you through three and a half years of great tribulation, and then I'm going to marry you. See you later, Buster Brown. That's not my God. That's not the Lord that I serve. He's not going to put us through a time of litmus test. He's not going to put us through great tribulation of man for the first three and a half years. And He's not going to put us into the great tribulation or the last three and a half years of the tribulation of God upon this earth. Because He says, unless the elect were removed, they would not be able to stand. So let's go into this. Let's, let's jump into this here this morning. Lord, help me. We are promised a blessing if we will read the book of Revelation. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting for my revelation. And, and I was waiting for my blessing and everything. And we got to the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20, 21, and 22, the last five or six chapters of the book, when I got my blessing. Because the scriptures jumped out at me. Have you ever had the scriptures just jump out at you? The scriptures just jumped out at me. And it was just like that the clouds rolled away. And the answer was so, so right there on the pages. And it came to me. And then, not only that, but I got tutored by the Holy Spirit to give me the answers to what was coming at me and to explain what was coming at me. And then said, now share that with Northside Assembly. Not everybody agrees with what I'm getting ready to share with you. But that's okay. If they want to go through tribulation, they're more than welcome to go through tribulation. I'm just not going to do it. According to scriptures, hey, bam. Let me just say it as simply as I can. Will the Christian have to deal with the mark of the beast before the rapture of the church? No! And the reason why is because we ain't going to be here. Excuse my uh, Ozarkian language. We are not going to be here. I'm telling you, when the rapture of the church comes, count me gone. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you better be gone too. Amen. You better be out of here, amen. You better rise to meet the Lord in the air, amen. Oh, praise God, the answer is so simple. We will not be here, and therefore we don't have to worry about the Antichrist. Oh, you're going you're gonna to leave here happy today. You're going to leave here, you know, walk outside and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. You're coming for me. Amen. I'm not going to have to face that trinity of evil. You see, after the book of Revelation chapter 4, whenever the Spirit of the Lord said to John, the revelator, come up hither and let me show you things that must shortly come to pass. I found after the book of Revelation chapter 4, which we believe to be the rapture of the church, after Revelation chapter 4, the church is not mentioned again until the new heavens and the new earth. And even in that aspect, it's not the church that is mentioned, it's Christ being the tabernacle in the new heavens and the new earth. We are the church this morning. It's not the blocks. It's not the, uh, the carpet, amen. It's you and I, amen. We make up the body of Christ. We make up the church as if it is the universal church, amen. And therefore, we say hallelujah that is universal all over the world. The Antichrist will be revealed after the rapture of the church. I want you to think about these. They're very simple points. 
But if you write them down, if you ponder them and think about it, then I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you to actually go into the Word of God and research these passages of scriptures and see what you come up with. I think you will be amazed. You fellas got that video ready to go? Don, you got the video ready to go? You know, I shared with you about today's message some time ago. I haven't had a chance to share this. And it's been on my heart. Uh, We did a series in the book of Revelation. And in that series of the book of Revelation, there is a passage of Scripture there that says that God will give a blessing. He'll give a blessing to those who will read the Scriptures of the book of Revelation. You know, it's kind of intimidating at first, but once you get into the book of Revelation, it begins to unfold and shed new light. And so I was excited about doing this book of Revelation series, and we have completed it. And one of the things that God did for me, I'm going to share with you today, the blessing that He gave unto me. It was a Tuesday morning, and the Lord began to deal with me concerning the subject matter that matters to me this morning, and I know it will matter to you as well. It's a subject this morning that we need to hit head on, and that is the subject of worry and anxiety, not only in the things of this world, but also in the things of the future. In our future and the coming of the Lord that is soon to come upon us. I'm going to close this service today with uh, the thought about what does the Christian do concerning the mark of the beast. What does Christians do concerning whether taking or not taking the mark of the beast? And I think you're going to be excited and happy to hear the answer that I come from God's word as well as my own heart and the assemblies of God. The scriptures today is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. I think there's a slide for that, if you could find that. Yes. It says, uh, so do not fear, for I am with you. Say that with me. I'm not going to fear. Amen. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to fear the future. Amen. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Somebody shout, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence in this place today. Lord, thank you for the selection of our worship today, the songs. It was wonderful to be ushered into your very presence. Lord, let your people not worry and become anxious. Let us draw near to you with a with the truth of your word, that you will be with us, you will uphold us. And Lord, in these last days, cover our hearts and our minds and our actions, everything which would come against you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. God's people said amen and amen. Praise God. feels good to be up here. been a while. Last time the ambulance driver came, he said, we have to quit meeting like this, preacher. We got it all figured out, I think. I'm sorry, hon. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that, may, that may sound good, but it doesn't sound good to me. You know the slide that was up there about worry and anxiety? I will tell you that worry and anxiety are real issues that each and every one of us have to deal with. You know, I know that it's easier said than done, that as a Christian, do not worry about anything. The Scriptures reveals to us how that we are not to worry about what we are to eat, 
What we're to wear, it says, if the Lord will take care of the birds of the air, He'll take care of His children. And I have found that to be true. I have found that God is an on-time God. He's never late. Sometimes He's close, but He's never late. He always takes good care of us. You know, we do not like to admit it, but we as Christians, we worry and are anxious as far as our own living goes. We go through this message today that we deal with anxiety and worry. May I encourage you as a Christian concerning major areas of your worry to not worry. Turn to somebody and say, quit worrying. Doesn't do you any good. You see, worry is something that is real. You know, I believe that it is a tool of the enemy to bring discouragement to us. Because if the enemy can get us worrying about things and, and uh, looking at problems, then uh, we lose our focus in faith and we lose our focus in the day tomorrow and the next day in the future. Worry leads to stress. And you know that stress is not good because it leads to dysfunctional thinking and then dysfunctional thinking leads to dysfunctional living. You ever know anybody that's a dysfunctional living person? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> you see, the cares of this life work upon us. You know, it's, do I have a job? Will I have a job? Will I be able to take care of my family? The cares of life can become very overwhelming to us. It will raise its ugly head whenever you least expect it to attack with anxiety and, and depression and things that will come upon us. And it could just be the cares of life. You know, the last time you go to the grocery store and it was a $100 bill that you spent, now you're at $130 and tomorrow will probably be $150. i got news for you to quit worrying about it. And when you leave Walmart, go to the dollar store and you'll feel a whole lot better. You know, it's said that worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. You just, just go through the motions, amen. You know, in the last days, it can cause a lot of concern and a lot of worry. The future to the non-Christian can be very troublesome, very troublesome. But to us as born-again believers, we have the answer in the back of the book. You know, in the cares of life, there was a, a, a burglar that uh, happened to go into a house. And for the last 10 years, why the wife would wake up her husband and say, you know, I think there's somebody who broke into our house. And he'd go look and there'd be nobody there. But that one morning, there was a burglar in the house. He goes down and he said, I need you to come up. I want to introduce you to my wife. She's been looking at you for 10 years. <laughs> we don't look for trouble, but trouble looks for us on many occasions, amen? And so in the last days, it can cause a lot of concern and a lot of worry to us. Yet the child of God in the future should not cause us one iota of worry, but it often does. It is the hope and confidence that we have in God's Word. It's the hope and confidence that we have in the experience of walking with God day after day after day. Getting close to the Lord. Coming into His presence. Getting just a little bit closer. And as we get closer to Him, then our confidence level begins to rise exponentially. And we are knowing that God is who He says He is. And He will do what He says He will do. Somebody give the Lord a praise. You see, our worry about our own future... Our children, I love the story of Job of old, how that he would sacrifice just in case one of his children came short of the glory of God. He would go out and he would take one of the animals and he would sacrifice it on a daily basis just in case 
that one of his children did not uh, follow the precepts of God. Our extended family, uh, our friends and our friendships, uh, our vocations. Will I have a job? Will I be able to take care of the bills? Will I be able to take care of my family? Especially in light of what is going to happen as the coming of the Lord draws closer and closer and closer. There's a difference between worry and concern. Worry is something that is, is really stressful to us, but concern is something that we have to deal with every day. When Sister Delaney went to Africa on a missions trip, I will tell you that Sister Blackard and I were not worried, but I can tell you that we were highly concerned. Come on, church. When our children take an over-the-road trip and they, they go from Springfield to Colorado or from Florida or wherever they go, there's not worry, but there is concern. And there's a, that's good. Concern is healthy. To be concerned about your future. To be concerned about your present. But oh, don't let it move over into worry because worry will stress you out. You know, I, I, I never would dream in a million years that our government would be so intrusive in our lives as it is. Did you see on the news here lately how that the folks in Canada are revolting and they are doing peaceful demonstrations there, bringing the semi-trucks in? It was on the news this morning. There are thousands upon thousands and thousands upon thousands that are over the interstate and they're saying, you know what, no more, enough is enough. Oh, your enthusiasm is overwhelming. Your enthusiasm is overwhelming, you know. You know, I tell you, there's concern about, about the ep epidemic that is taking place. But I will tell you this, our God is stronger than any epidemic. Our God is stronger, greater is He that's within you than he that is in this world. God is going to bring us through, amen. And you know what? Hurry up and give us the, that new variant so that we can build up immunity. That may be God's way of saying, you know what, I'll give everybody that, that new variant and they'll get over it and they'll be fine for the summertime and we'll just put this behind us. Oh, come on, somebody agree with the pastor this morning. I'm ready for it to be over with, amen. Uh, but still, we are concerned, amen. We are concerned, never in a thousand years would I ever dream that our government would be so intrusive into our lives. And I'll tell you this, I've been asked, do you think that it's uh, the mark of the beast? No, it's not the mark of the beast. Turn to somebody and say, it's not the mark of the beast. But I do think that it's a prelude to what's getting ready to come down the pike. I do believe that it is a prelude of what is getting ready to come down the line as the closer the Lord comes for His coming and for His church. Later in the message, I will deal with the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast in relationship to you and I as Christians. And usually, you know, I never, I never preach on the Antichrist or the evil trinity, but I will tell you this, uh, I'm not looking for the Antichrist, I'm looking for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But in the book of Revelation, I received the blessing to be able to answer this question without any contradiction in my own life, uh, in my own thinking, in my own studies, from thus saith the word of the Lord. And I'm going to share that with you today, amen. It could be a prelude. Because there is a lack of trust and confidence in our government. The world, it seems, is turning on one another. Families are turning on uh, family members. And brothers are turning on brothers. And fathers are turning on daughters and sons. You know, don't, don't shout me down when I'm preaching okay this morning. It's not going to get any better the closer we come. There's not going to be a utopia, in my opinion. I believe that the Bible says that as the coming of the Lord, so it will be like the birth pains of a woman. The closer you come to the birth, the more the pains become intense. And I'll tell you, we're in for some pain, probably. 
But God's going to take care of His church. I call this worry the what ifs of life. What if, what if this, what if that? What if this, what if that? Well, you know what? That's just what if. If is expressing a condition. If is only expressing a condition. Well, I got news for us this morning. Our Lord is in charge of all the what ifs of life. All we got to do is just kind of flow with Him. Amen. You know, there's a song out that we used to sing some time back. It's called Jesus is Coming Soon. And listen, this is an old song, and, and if I can read it here, I'll try to read it. It says, Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is at stake. That was penned many years ago. Think about this. Humbling our hearts to God, serves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians awake. Jesus is coming soon. Morning or noon, night or noon. Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound. All the dead in Christ shall rise. Triumphantly to meet Him in the skies. Going where no one dies. Heavenward bound. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I'm heavenward bound. Just count me gone. Count me gone. Am I doing all right this morning? Praise God. Well, I need to hear that because I didn't want to be slurring my speech. <laughs> you see, worry is a sin, I, I, or it can be a sin. Let's put it that way. I think that, and, and where I base that on is this. If, in fact, that you worry and you do not trust God's Word, then it becomes where you are so bound up in the flesh and you're so bound up in what if that you don't give God the opportunity and the chance to see His way to touch you in your circumstance. Failure to trust God, in essence, is trusting in your own self or your flesh and not God. And God says for us not to worry about ourselves, not to worry about the relationship to the end of this world and what we wear, what we eat, where we go. Just simply trust in the Lord. You see, worry eats at us physically. The worry business is booming in our world today. There's all kinds of drugs that you can have. But there's all kinds of antidepressants that give you, an antidep uh, give you a, a medicine to bring you down. Then they give you a medicine to take you up. They give you a medicine to hold you steady. They, they, you know, and there's nothing wrong with medicine. I, I will tell you that there's nothing wrong with medicine. Uh, God, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why God had Luke as a, as a disciple. Physician. He was a physician. But I can tell you this. That the... Worry business is really booming, and the sleep aids and the anxiety drugs and, the, and used to forget our troubles just for a moment in time. But I've got a better pill that's, that is either any pill that's on the market, and that's called the gospel. The gospel. Ulcers develop because of worry. Worry can be a killer. Worry makes one unproductive. You know, if all you do is worry about what's going to happen, then you become very unproductive. I believe that as you get up of a morning time and you say, God, what do you got for me today? What is the agenda today for my life? And it may just be accomplishing one thing. It may be praying for a family member. It may be sitting down and writing a little encouraging note. It may just be one thing that God would want you to do that can impact a life and make a difference instead of getting up with your hands like this and going, Oh, Lord, it's morning. We need to just reverse that and say, Oh, praise God, it's morning. Amen. I'm going to make a difference for you, Lord. 
The mind lingers and targets problems. It produces worry and it magnifies the problem. Amen. It magnifies the problem. Oh, thank you, Don. You're doing a great job this morning. Staying with me. Amen. It magnifies the problem. And when it magnifies the problem, it draws you away from the answer. It draws you away from the possibility. And you know what? We don't have to wait on God to give us the answer all the time. Sometimes we have the answer within us. Sometimes God gives us the answer on the inside, and we just need to be about what God is asking us to do to quit that worry. You know, whenever I was in, in college, and it come time for a test, it was always a whole lot more relaxed when I knew the answers to the test that was probably going to be given, because I studied. Anybody ever, you know, when I was in high school, don't, oh, no, I was very, I was magnifying a problem and not a solution. How I many know what I'm talking about? When you, got, when, you, when, you, you know, when you lay down at night and you know that your bills are, are pretty much paid, amen, and you still got a couple dollars in the bank, you're in pretty good shape. It just makes life a little bit easier, amen, instead of waiting to the last minute and, and letting things get control, control out of control and, and uh, magnifying the problem instead of the solution. I love those two fellows that went in to the land of Canaan, promised land. There was 12 of them went in, and only two of them had a positive report. They were the minority report, but yet they were the positive report. And Moses and Aaron agreed with them. They said, 10 of them said, we can't do it. There's no way. We're like grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb said, oh, we are more than willing and able to be able to possess the land. What God has given you, what God has promised you, it's about time that you step up and acquire it and receive it. Come on, church. So there's two scriptures. There's Numbers chapter 23 because we're now talking about the antidote to worry. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he not speak and then does he not act? Oh, yes, he does. Does he promise and then not fulfill? Absolutely not. Everything in God's word, you can take it to the spiritual bank. It will come to pass. I love this passage of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord, not in the government, not in your employer, not in a rich uncle. Oh, wouldn't you love to have a rich uncle? Let me rephrase that. Wouldn't you like to have a rich uncle that is very compassionate and generous to his nephew and niece? There's not many of them out there. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall, He shall direct your path. He will send you to the right people. He will give you the answer. He'll give you wisdom beyond your abilities. He will come on the scene and He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Our God says, trust in me and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me and I shall, I shall, I shall direct your path. The antidote to worry and anxiety is believing God's Word. Now let's get into the question that prompted this message, and that is, what will the Christian do in relationship to the mark of the beast? Ooh, I didn't know he'd get that quite. Has anybody ever wondered about this? Has anybody ever thought about this? You know, a lot of times we just want to push it aside because it's, not unple- it's unpleasant. We don't want to think about it. 
I can tell you that as far as I am concerned in my theology, and I've been doing this for a long time, I've been to college, got some graduate work behind me. I have found that I am in complete agreement with the fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God in the fact that everything that they believe and I believe on this is pre, pre, that's before. Say that with me, pre. Pre-tribulation. I will tell you that my God is not going to put us through three and a half and then, and then another three and a half years of tribulation. It's kind of like me going to Sister Susan back when I married her and asked her to marry me. And I'm going to say, now, honey, listen, I'm going to put you through three and a half years of great tribulation and then I'm going to marry you. See you later, Buster Brown. That's not my God. That's not the Lord that I serve. He's not going to put us through a time of litmus test. He's not going to put us through great tribulation of man for the first three and a half years. And He's not going to put us into the great tribulation or the last three and a half years of the tribulation of God upon this earth. Because He says, unless the elect were removed, they would not be able to stand. So let's go into this. Let's, let's jump into this here this morning. Lord, help me. We are promised a blessing if we will read the book of Revelation. And I was waiting and waiting and waiting for my revelation. And, and I was waiting for my blessing and everything. And we got to the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20, 21, and 22, the last five or six chapters of the book, when I got my blessing. Because the scriptures jumped out at me. Have you ever had the scriptures just jump out at you? The scriptures just jumped out at me. And it was just like that the clouds rolled away. And the answer was so, so right there on the pages. And it came to me. And then, not only that, but I got tutored by the Holy Spirit to give me the answers to what was coming at me and to explain what was coming at me. And then said, now share that with Northside Assembly. Not everybody agrees with what I'm getting ready to share with you. But that's okay. If they want to go through tribulation, they're more than welcome to go through tribulation. I'm just not going to do it. According to the scriptures, hey, bam. Let me just say it as simply as I can. Will the Christian have to deal with the mark of the beast before the rapture of the church? No! And the reason why is because we ain't going to be here. Excuse my uh, Ozarkian language. We are not going to be here. I'm telling you, when the rapture of the church comes, count me gone. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you better be gone too. Amen. You better be out of here. Amen. You better rise to meet the Lord in the air. Amen. Oh, praise God. The answer is so simple. We will not be here, and therefore we don't have to worry about the Antichrist. Oh, you're going you're gonna to leave here happy today. You're going to leave here, you know, walk outside and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. You're coming for me. Amen. I'm not going to have to face that trinity of evil. You see, after the book of Revelation chapter 4, whenever the Spirit of the Lord said to John, the revelator, come up hither and let me show you things that must shortly come to pass. I found after the book of Revelation chapter 4, which we believe to be the rapture of the church, after Revelation chapter 4, the church is not mentioned again until the new heavens and the new earth. And even in that aspect, it's not the church that is mentioned, it's Christ being the tabernacle in the new heavens and the new earth. 
We are the church this morning. It's not the blocks. It's not the, uh, the carpet, amen. It's you and I, amen. We make up the body of Christ. We make up the church as if it is a universal church, amen. And therefore, we say hallelujah that is universal all over the world. The Antichrist will be revealed after the rapture of the church. I want you to think about these. They're very simple points. But if you write them down, if you ponder them and think about it, then I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you to actually go into the Word of God and research these passages of scriptures and see what you come up with. I think you will be amazed. You fellas got that video ready to go? Don, you got the video ready to go?